This is Gresh and Fourier. We know what he does well, and it's get rid of the ball quickly, it's diagnose, it's make decisions like in those RPOs. Do I hand it off or do I pass it in that split second? I think Bill O'Brien's going to amplify those strengths. I think we're going to see the best version of Mac Jones yet. Andy Gresh. When it counts, we make it happen. Um, and that's been the trademark, I would say, of this team is, is that. When it counts, bet on the Bruins. Christian Fourier. Uh, how it feels inside the house is, is very different from the perception. That doesn't mean uh, you know that that I'm arguing with where you know people are going to pick us where they're where, where they're going to pick us. We like our team. We recognize you know we're not expecting anybody to pick us to go out there and steamroll anybody, but we have a lot of talent on the team. We have a club that should fit together a lot better than last year's team did, and you know we have the ability to go out there if we play well, if we throw strikes, if we grind at bats. We have the ability to get to the postseason, and that's really what we're focused on. Gresh and Fourier, right now. I believe Jason Tatum is the best player on on, 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 on the Celtics. This was his opportunity to submit that skill and win this ball game. But he does have a, t- a chair at the table with about seven or eight of these superstars. But they say you can't sit down just yet. Yeah. We need to see a little more. You're moron. You don't. On WEEI. Oh, yeah. Hall of Fame moron breaking down that that play was so important to the to the, to the career of Jason Tatum with no one around him. He was, you know, the, the last starter standing in that game. But, yup. <laughs> that guy sounds like Goofy from freaking Disney. I don't even like. Here's the thing with with. The sh- yep. I don't even. I don't even like. It's making fun of Shannon Sharp and the way he talks. It's kind of like making fun of Michael Strahan having a gap. You know, you're his, exactly it's right. It's like it's. it's I remember fruit. like actually like playing against Strahan and like saying something to him about that because like ah, I mean, let me get him off his game and make fun of the ginormous gap. It was like he was like, is that it? It was like, like that, guy, that yeah. guy has has heard jerk jokes about his teeth since he was ten. So you don't he's not affected him. It doesn't do anything to him. Just like Shannon Sharp with his with all the marbles in his mouth. It does it does nothing. Jim, you know, before I became uh, Slim Mo Jones, uh, I, I how many of the times like I I should I've realized that I should have gone to therapy for all of the years that I've spent on sports talk radio and heard the f word thrown at me. Oh, fat dog. Yeah. That that invalidates the point, right? Hey, sloppy ass. It's like, so whatever you say, like, doesn't matter. It's the whole. And I'm like, Strahan, it's like, great. That's the best she got. Hoopy doo. I've been hearing that since. Yeah. I've been hearing that since I had uh, size six it shoes just, at four years old. It whatever. Obviously, it's obviously like, not affecting, but you right. really got to dig deep for like any professional athlete in any, in any sport. It's usually, you know, the, the washed up tagline sport, you know. If somebody doesn't like what you're saying, it's, oh, you're just washed up. Yep. Well, I mean, technically, yeah. I mean, I'm old. I don't play anymore. So, sure. I mean, isn't that just like a, a snarky way of seeing, saying retired? Oh, you're just retired. Yeah. Oh, you're just washed up. Yeah. I don't play anymore. I'm 50. Of course I don't play anymore. Yeah. like it's- Can you imagine if I was playing right now? Get my ass kicked on a regular basis. I mean, it's uh, that guy just drives That's, me nuts. And the whole, you know, the the whole thing you went off on yesterday. Go, go get into more fights. Go, go challenge Stephen Adams and let him choke you out. You know, the funny thing is, uh, he was getting praised for his apology. So we never did the apology of the day after he kind of no. yelled and screamed at the Memphis Grizzlies and like had like this, you know, courtside seat altercation with some of the players. 
So he had this, uh, you know, huge apology, whatever, call it huge, but I've never seen somebody be rewarded or applauded more for saying sorry than him. It's like he just said, wow, that was a next level apology. Oh, my God. Did you say that? I, that was the most sincere apology I think I've ever seen in my life. Stop it. It's like all he did was kind of get in a yelling match with some player, and it's like, holy cow, what a what a stand-up guy he is. And I love that uh, Steven Adams was like, dude, I don't care who you are. I'll beat your ass. Like, he I was ready to, to go. I want to apologize for my behavior. Oh, yeah. yeah. I want to apologize for losing my mind, but Skip loved it, and FS1 loved it, and they'll never say anything because, you know, Hey, we do business with WWE on Friday nights, and they love this stuff. Our Fox people. Oh, Jacob Holman, <laughs> he loves that wrestling. That's, by the and way, USC, one of those. And yeah, USC. And USC. Jacob's a nice guy. I yeah. shouldn't throw him into all this because he's uh, one of the chief cooks and bottle washers at Fox. Well, last night, it was a nice, calm I night. Loved it. Unless you were a PC Fryer fan where uh, you went to. Now, how about this? Fryer's 8.30 start last night because of FS1. Upper Tank had some empty seats. You know, there are some olds that go to Providence College basketball. They blew out, I think it was Xavier, by like 20 or something like that. Like, I don't think it was Xavier. Not, I think it was Butler. Thank mm. you. Uh, so that that really was like the only thing, kind of that little college basketball last night. But the Celtics are coming home to host the Knicks tonight. Celtics are eight-and-a-half-point favorites. They are a big minus 355 on the money line. But the big news for tonight's game is... Malcolm Brogdon, Al Horford, mm-hmm. Jalen Brown, all off the injury list. The only guy dinged up heading into tonight is Marcus Smart. So we would actually, in theory, at least with the bodies available, be able to see the real version of the Boston Celtics, not what we saw down in Florida. Absolutely. And I, and, and I would say, you know, going into so you go on the road, you lose back-to-back games, you lose a close one that you probably thought you should win. You're getting criticized for how you handle the, uh, you know, late game, uh, you know, um, situations, and now you're and now everybody's back. <clears throat> now it's um, you're playing against a Knicks team that had their struggles lately. They started off pretty decently actually to, to start the year. They've gone through a rough patch, but no, this is one of those games where you know you really should win by you know comfortably. And what is what is winning comfortably in, in the NBA? Is it is it like ten points? Is it is winning comfortably ten points in the NBA? I know what it is in the NFL. Did you cover? That's the way I look at it. Did you cover? And the line is eight and a half. Eight. Uh, eight. Eight and a half. Sorry, eight and a half. You're right. Eight and a half minus three thirty five or three fifty five on the money line. And and look in the NBA, it's so you can hit a couple of splash threes at the end of a game to really. It's also about the pace, the way the game is played. The Knicks are just eminently average. The Knicks are tryhards, in my opinion. They uh, they got Tom Thibodeau down there. He's very much a try-hard coach, the defense, all that kind of stuff. I don't think it's a great offensive team. They're just kind of middling right now. But really, for me, it is let's get back to evaluating the Celtics for what they are. And we're going to get, in terms of the bodies, a much more representative effort in terms of the people that are going to be out on the court tonight. Now, Chris Haynes, of I do believe still Yahoo Sports, has it that the Celtics are in the market for a big man. I know it was, what, six weeks ago now before we hit the beginning of the year. There was that Noah Vonley trade to San Antonio to just kind of clear some spots. Uh, I don't know how deep the pool is, quite honestly. And and in all seriousness, Fourier, I wonder if we kind of got to – I wonder if we've got to – 
you know, wait a few more weeks before the trade market really heats up just in terms of what assets teams are willing to liquidate and sort of either give up on <laughs> or are willing to trade for whatever Celtics first round pick they have left to be able to give somebody considering the moves they've made. Yeah, so um, I'm glad you brought this up because, uh, you know, I think the the Celtics get back to to who they were, who they are, really. I, I don't think there's any really question of who they are. I think this team knows what they're capable of doing. I think they all have an understanding of what their role is. The biggest thing moving forward is trade deadline talk. I feel like that's the the biggest thing now. And yep. what would be the one position that you would add to where you think they're lacking? And to me, which what I saw over the last, I know, two games when Luke Cornett was forced to play more minutes because Al Horford wasn't playing and Rob Williams was either didn't play or, or was on a minutes restriction, that's going to be a massive issue. Mm-hmm. I just, not that you need, it's like a must-have, but just to cover your ass, just to make sure that if you do need to break this glass in case of an emergency, you have somebody a little bit more competent and maybe a little bit more intimidating and consistent than Luke Cornett. Mm-hmm. Fine, fine person during the regular season when you're beating up on everybody. He doesn't need to play a lot, but that is a definite issue if Rob Williams comes down with something, if uh, age becomes an issue with Al Horford. I feel like that that will be a position that they, that they will add to. It Nothing will, else, though. It will be interesting to see as well what the Celtics do, depending on the recovery of Danilo Gallinari. I know Joe Mazzulla had the joke the other day about the, hey, I saw him running. I thought the guy was going to be out there on the court pretty soon. So we don't know how he is going to fit in. I know whenever there was the talk at the beginning of the season that, oh, maybe Carmelo Anthony is a guy that might fit. Uh, I don't think they're going to have to go down that road. I think it's Gallinari's going to come back. And and then can you just add some more depth? Because to your point, you're an ouchie away from Robert Williams maybe not participating. And without Horford, we know you got to get him to the finish line to get him to the postseason. So it will be interesting to see how that develops. But isn't that the biggest risk? If you if you were gonna risk assess like the, you know, a possible catastrophe. Oh, we're going uh Costanza and Kenny yeah, Banyan here. Would, wouldn't that what be is risk? Yeah, wouldn't that be the one position that you would say, uh I don't know if that's going to hold. Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if we have enough sandbags. I think that's why you're looking for someone maybe better than, as you mentioned, the murder cornet or also uh, whomever it would be that you could bring in from, like, the G League or something. Because, again, if Luke Cornett's got to play big minutes in the postseason, then you're right. you got a problem. You're putting extra strain on your basketball team. Good morning to the Twitchers. Twitch.tv slash Boston WEEI. Follow WEEI on Twitch. You can text in at 37937, uh, the 860 off our Shannon Sharp thing real quick. I love the little guy trying his hardest to hold back Steven Adams, and Adams isn't even trying to get a Shannon Sharp. That would have been awesome, though. I would have loved to have seen those guys get after it, just like the Bruins are going to get after it on the road tonight in Tampa. Bruins are minus 115 on the money line. Tampa is minus 105, so very, very close. Although, if you want the Bruins on the goal line, you can get a goal and a half on the Bruins, but you're going to pay minus 275. So you got to pay 275 just to win 100 bucks on that. And uh, Jim Montgomery yesterday was talking about his team and how he feels about them right now. When it counts, we make it happen. Um, and that's been the trademark, I would say, of this team is, is that. When it counts, bet on the Bruins. 
Yeah. When it counts. When it counts. Bet on the Bruins. Yeah, when it counts, bet on the Bruins. When you need a late a game heroics, bet on the Bruins. If you're down and you feel like they don't have the ability to come back, bet on the Bruins. Every last game, every last like sign that you were looking for to see if they were a complete game, not only in personnel, but just belief, attitude, resiliency. Like they have checked every last box. Mm-hmm. Every last box. So, again, we talked about it the other day. First team in NHL history to 80 points. In NHL history, they'll be the first to 100 in NHL history. And everyone will get these individual awards. Fastest to 100. Fastest to 100. Yes, fastest to 100. Thank you. To 80. And they'll be the fastest to 100 when by the time the season is over. So, playing against the Lightning could be like some sort of like, you know, uh, you know playoff preview. Um, but I listen. I know we got the parlay coming up. I'm going to be a part of it uh, today, and oh! I will be surprised at who I'm going to pick to oh! win this game on the money line. Look at this guy! So yes, now. I'm jumping in again because I had to push my last bet. So at 11:45, I will be giving you in important information of how you can win some money. Oh, some money. I know that. Uh, <laughs> Don't miss it. I know that. Uh, what next Tuesday, January 31st? I guess it is. Uh, brick and mortars in the uh, in the Commonwealth are going to be able to start accepting uh, wagers on sports betting. And again, we'll see the timeline on the sort of uh, standalone digital sports books that you can just download on your phone. So uh, more info, I'm sure, will come out on the Bruins in terms of who's in, who's out tonight. We'll get you that throughout the show. We will get to the uh, Callahan piece in the uh, in the Boston Herald today on uh, really just confirming what we felt from the outside. I will tell you this, Five-minute football nerd's going to come up at uh, 1047, 1048, where we're going to walk through Christian when he played in the East-West Shrine game and meeting with Bill Belichick at that game. That will be some ripping good yarn. Andrew Raycroft with us at 11. Uh, Heim Bloom trying to sell everybody on the Red Sox, the lunchtime parlay. Uh, Fourier now I'm finally going to debate about Jacoby Myers because clearly uh, we see him a little differently. Uh, a An unbelievable story for the lighter side of sports today at 1245. I've never seen it happen in sports. Now, I know it's a new trend, but at 12.45, I've never seen this happen ever in sports. And, well, neither did the broadcasters. We'll tell you about that. And Michael Irvin at 1.30. And in between the top of the hour at 1 and Michael Irvin, a lot of people will tell you that the Patriots offense is broken. Few people are going to tell you why it's broken. And it could come down to simple words. Crash and Fourier on WEEI. Get Boston Sports Original on the go wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app. I came to dance, 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 dance. I hit the floor because that's my plans, 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 plans. I'm wearing all my favorite brands, 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 brands. Give me some space for both my hands. Oh boy. We will get to Andrew Callahan and, well, he talked to people confirming. Some of what we knew going around the uh, New England Patriots over the uh, 2022 season, 10-24, Gresham Foyer here with you. And I know yesterday, Foyer, we did a little bit of the uh, Bill O'Brien reaction. Yeah. Well, another country heard from on uh, Up and Adams, 
Kay Adams, I guess, left NFL Network to, I think, do stuff with, I think it might be FanDuel TV now. So Gronk has been going on there like once a week. That's one of the recurring people I do believe that's been uh, on there. Even though he may have done a commercial recently for a competing brand, but the hell with it. Who cares? Uh, Kay Adams and Gronk talking about Bill O'Brien, and you talk about a stamp of approval from someone that is respected here in New England. Here's Gronky. I love Bill O'Brien. I love playing for him. I love the energy that he brings to the table. Uh, he has that niche to get you to go out and you know play your best football, to get you fired up, uh, to get you to want to go out on the field and get better every single day and make big plays. And uh, it was just a great time uh, when he was here for the two seasons. He was here my rookie year, my second year. And um, he was just an awesome football coach um, on the field and off the field as well. His football knowledge is through the roof. And I believe that he's definitely going to restore the Patriot faithful on the offensive side of the ball. And he's going to put his players in the best position uh, to make plays. And he's going to come up uh, with some creative ideas. And uh, I think they're going to definitely improve as an offense tremendously under coach uh, Bill O'Brien. I mean, it was, that's who the Patriots had to get. They had to get Bill O'Brien. That's who they needed to get, uh, you know, restore to, you know, back in the old days where, where they were at on the offensive side of the ball. And they got their guy. I mean, I'm telling you, they, they I hope they paid head coach money for him because you definitely had to. I mean, he was definitely in high demand, I would say, especially being Alabama's offensive coordinator. But uh, to take him from Nick Saban, I mean, you got to you got to be paying him the big bucks as well. What do you make of Gronk huh. talking about Bill O'Brien? I mean, he's listen. Yes. Well, I mean, agree on every last thing he said and. You know, this this um, narrative, it's really a couple of people with the narrative that he's no good. Is It's just so wrong. He was beloved. People love that attitude. People, like, I'm not into having a relationship with a combative person. A passionate person, absolutely. That's different. Absolutely. Right. Passion is different than combative. He's not combative. He It means something to him. It's important to him. Doing it right is pays dividends. So... And he knows it. So when somebody underperforms, he takes it personal. And he doesn't yell at you because he wants you to, to wants to hurt your feelings. He's yelling at you because he knows you can do better. And he doesn't like people who are lazy. So to me, this is this is like the I wouldn't call it a coup of the century, right? Because he was a free agent, he didn't have a contract. And Gronk's right. I they he had they needed him. Bill O'Brien doesn't need the Patriots. Nope. The Patriots definitely need Bill O'Brien. Great line. I am going to put a piece of I'm going to put a number on a piece of paper. I'm going to slide it across the desk. Take it or leave it. And I guarantee you they said, take it, yes, before they even looked at it. You know, I don't even need to look at it. Whatever, you name your price. Mm-hmm. You name your terms. We suck. We're terrible. It's embarrassing. So so it, to me, he's spot on. And, and I understand at that point in time, he was a position coach, part position coach, part OC. Um, and those guys thrived in that system. Thrived, thrived in that system. And Gronk understands how the tight end can shine in that system as well. It's going to be epic, man. Because remember, that's epic. when that's when they went to Gronk, Hernandez, all that stuff. Then we know Bill O'Brien left. And still, they kind of picked it up from there. Marcus Jones was on Racket, the Jim Rome show, 
Hello. <laughs> I did that show one time. You, I got the, you were the, 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 the filling no, host, I got right? The, I got to fill in on Did Rome you talk like time. Jim Rome? No. Hold on. You get the win. It's the first thing they tell you. They're like, don't, don't do it. Don't be him. So what's the first thing I did? Oh, hello, America. Racket America. <laughs> you don't know this voice. That was one, one of those deals. <laughs> That's why it was one and done for you. Oh, yeah. All right, yeah, this, yeah. Guy, he's, this guy. That's right. Can't you can't back. listen, all that <laughs> stuff. And th- th- I knew the producers, and they knew I was going to do were it combat- anyway. And you were combative. You weren't passionate. There you go. That's what it was. I was combative in that situation. But Marcus Jones went on the Jim Rome show and talked about Mac Jones. And again, feels like universally, everybody loves Mac. I'm behind that guy 110%. I've seen his work ethic throughout the whole system and everything, uh, how we take up on things, watching film. He's he's a top tier guy when it comes to preparation. So I'm behind him 24-7. What does it say to you that in a year of struggle, I haven't heard publicly anybody or even, and I know we're going to get to the Callahan piece and the Herald where there were all the whispers, we haven't heard anybody throw Mac under the bus yet at all. No, because, um, well, definitely not on the offense because when you get into the auto queue, you realize that from the very beginning, everybody realized that they were doomed. <laughs> Right, I think of like I think of like that movie Mutiny on the Bounty. You know when they finally decide that the captain is nuts, we're all gonna die, and unless we take over the ship, we'll never see our family again. And they and but but and, and but what they did is they just you know bitched and complained about it. And they never actually tried to take it over because really there was no recourse for them. So they knew early on that it was never gonna be Mac Jones's fault. Right. Hey, listen, we do. We we get it. We, 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 and think about, and there was this, people think that this was a young team. It was not a young team. It was a veteran team. Well, kind of. There who, are the, are, who are the young kids? Well, no, but I, I think when you look, and, and you're right, like you bring in Devontae Parker. But, not young. you know, Kendrick Bourne, not young. Nope. Listen, but, the only, but this who is, is young? But I think it was skewed by having Slater, McCourty, and guys like that. I don't mind me talking I about the think, captains. No, but I'm talking about uh, in terms of, of where this team is really at. Like, you look in the secondary, yeah, you got Jalen Mills in there, but you've got a bunch of young guys. You know, you look at the linebackers, they've been around for a couple of years, but they're not, like, great players. I know they signed some veterans along the defensive line. They may, they, they, this isn't a group of 30-year-olds, no, don't get me wrong. My point is... They're not super young, but no. they are skewed from some of the guys no, who've been for, around on Forget the about it. Just offense. We All talk right. about offensive dysfunction. Offense. Offensive, uh, you know, uh, mutiny. The only young guys... You had a receiver that was barely going to play. Right. And, and Thornton. You had a guard who was drafted in the first round. Well, quarterback, the running backs group, one wide receiver, and at least one no, offensive you lineman. Because I had, still consider Onwenu young. But he's experienced. I, I will say he knows better. Right. He's been in the league long enough to know that this ain't the way it works. Now, that's true. All of them. Cole Strange is the only one that has no clue. Right. Went to a small college. Now he's at this this huge, this mecca of football with the, the, the best to ever do. And he's like, Wow. I knew more of what I was supposed to do at my small college by my coach who just left high school. Hey, Trent, can you help me? No, I can help myself, man. Yeah, and I don't know it either. (laughs) And how can Trent help when he doesn't know it either? So that is my point, like, Gresham. When it comes to offensive knowledge and just, hey, listen, we've been around the block. Even Ramadre Stevenson, uh, Damian Harris, Mac Jones, every single position, you had more guys that could be like, listen, man, this is not the way it's done in the pros. This is not the way an offense is supposed to work. Well, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Just put your head down and grind through it. 
Eight. You don't have a choice. You know, it's interesting. A Twitcher off of what you were saying, uh, Finnerang says, notice Hoyer disappeared. The concussion usually would take a few weeks. Maybe he was pushing back on the stupidity. It is interesting that once Hoyer got hurt, he was we didn't see him the rest of the year. I mean, this is another thing. Because so. that's a guy who has seen the good and the bad in the NFL. There are a lot of dudes who only know the Belichick way. He's been around enough to see some things. And here's the other thing. So this is how it starts. I've seen some things, this, man. Yeah, no. No, and, 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 and you're right, though. That's him. Well, like, but you're not, you're you're exaggerating, like, the you know, the wording a little bit, but you're pretty spot on. Like, it's almost like, no, man. Game over, man. Game yeah. over. We, we did this in Cleveland. Oh, my God. I saw that before. ended. Oh, my God. I can't oh, wait. No. It is. That's the way it goes. So here's how it works, right? You have a you have a team meeting, and then you split up into offense and defense, and then after the offense and defense, you all splinter off into your position groups. Um, before you all get in the room, and the doors closed, and the coaches usually linger, and they got something going on, so they come into your individual group just a tad bit late. While you're exiting the offensive meeting room, everybody's kind of eyeballing each other, and because they all we don't, I don't need to communicate with you. I know that you see it, and you know that I see it. And by the time you get in the hallway. You're st- you're all chirping about it, and then God forbid you get into a veteran group with a Hoyer and a Mac, or you get into a tight end group, or a running backs group, or an offensive line group. You guys are all sitting there going, "This is not going to work." Mm-hmm. Why do they keep? Wh- what is what? Guys, what are we supposed to do? So sure enough, the coach comes in and everybody stops talking. Everybody stops talking because the coach doesn't want to hear it anymore because they probably know. And when we get into this article, the coaches that were there in the past had issues with the new coaches who were running things. So if you're Nick Cayley and you are with the tight ends, oh. and it's a veteran group of tight ends, oh, and then you were there earlier and you know how things are supposed to go, you do not think that Nick Cayley was bitch-festing bitch festing with, uh, with the other tight ends? No question. Absol- that, that is the tightest group you can have, your position group. They're all bitching and complaining together. Hey, coach, what are we supposed to do? Dude, just run what they call. Just do what they just run the play that they call. Uh, but you know and I know it ain't gonna work. That's when you know that you have a coaching issue when it's the just do what I say. It's just 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 no, just run the play. Yeah. Just, but but hey, and and I tell you, hey, but what about this? What about this? Okay. Well, just just run the play. What you, you don't have an answer? So let me. Uh, I want to uh, back up a little bit of what you're saying because you, what you did was bring in the dynamic of what it is so like it in the locker room. Yeah, that's how it starts. So. Uh, and you noted that in the piece by Andrew Callahan with some reporting from Karen Gregan in there as well, that it was the older coaches had issues with the newer coaches and things like that. So uh, during the season, Hunter Henry joined us in this time slot. Here is Hunter Henry talking about Nick Cayley. And to your point, Fourier, if the players knew that there was the butting of heads going on, Listen to Hunter Henry put over his coach. Coach Kaylee is, man, I can't say enough good things about Coach Kaylee. He is an amazing coach. Honestly, he's an amazing man, too. He, he He's awesome to be around. He works his butt off every single day, and he's just so fun to be around because of the work he puts in and the things that he does to make sure that we're always prepared, always ready to go. You know, he's just always going to go out there and compete and be ready to go no matter what happens, no matter what goes. And, you know, he's tremendous. He's one of my favorite coaches I've ever been been able to be around. I've enjoyed every second of being with him. 
You know why he probably loves them more than some other coach? Because they can uh, they can commiserate together. It's the bitch fest. They're commiserating. It's the yeah. these these Woe two. Yeah, we're all stuck no on this idea. island together. Yeah. Huh? yeah, you know what? You're in it. We're in it. Hey, neither one of us can do anything about it. Right. So let's just figure out a way. Let's let's, let's figure out a way to get through it together. Let's manage. Hey, it. coach. You know this doesn't work. I know. I'm not in charge. I'm the tight ends coach. They have two knuckleheads that are running this thing, and and I I know, and you know that this is not the way we do things. So to me, it's interesting. Can I can I read one thing from the article real quick, please? Okay, show us your skills. There, there's a lot of it, right? So Callahan and Garrigan, they get into this whole this idea of the revised offense, you know, and and how was it how it was explained through training camp, and they wanted to make sure everybody played faster. It, it would reduce their reads, and it was going to simplify, simplify, simplify. Okay. Except none of the assistants had had coached the Shanahan style offense, so they're trying to implement this offense that nobody called, that nobody has any history with. They didn't spend off seasons there learning it. They didn't do one on ones with any of the coaching staff that had already been broken up. They were basing it on what they saw and what they knew based on being defensive coaches. So sure enough, here it is. It says, uh, "Here's a quote from an unknown, uh, unnamed source." Right? Said a lot of guys would ask, "Well, what's going to happen if the defense does this?" Question mark. And uh, you would see they hadn't really accounted for that yet. And they're talking about the coaches. And then one source says, and they'd say, this is the key point right here. We'll get to that when we get to that. Oh, we'll get to that when we get to that. To me, is the same thing as just run the play. Well, right. what? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm a veteran guy. Um, I want to cover my ass because I already know there's three potential problems with this call. This can happen, that can happen, and this can happen. What should I do if those th- one of those three things happens? I haven't gotten to that yet. Just just run the play. Well, you're 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 running without a net. You're doing this high wire act all by yourself with no safety net. What happens if this happens? Just you know what? I haven't gotten to that yet. Just run the play. Can you imagine being told that on a Friday night or a Saturday morning oh. or a Sunday afternoon before the game? Hey, coach, we still don't know what to do. You know what? Um, I'm going to, listen, do this. Now, I've told you what to do just to save your ass, but you're also leaving this guy out on the island because now what is he supposed to do? Nobody told him what to do. It's just it's just a domino effect of disaster. And it just, there's no stopping it. Zero chance of stopping it. So when a veteran player is, is asked to run a play that he knows is not going to work, and they tell you, just run the play or say, we haven't got to that yet. What the hell were you doing the past two days? What were you doing? The, this quote of a lot of guys are getting worried because we were in the middle of camp. We're wondering what's the plan for our offense because we hadn't put enough install in. We had a couple protections, a couple core run plays, but our pass game didn't have much in it. And this is this is something that... When offensive coordinators get hired who don't call plays, that's why to me I'm like, no. That's why you see the Buddy Hackett's go to Denver and get fired before the end of the year. Now, Zach Taylor also went to Cincinnati and has had success. But the point is there are people that are architects of offenses, and then there are people that call plays. The people who call plays and steal from others – don't understand how to fix the problems that you highlighted. 
I know the base core play. I know what it could be against these couple of defenses. But what are the issues? What are the problems? What are the things that could come up? What are the protection flaws? And if they attack it, does the quarterback have the ability to fix it? Or does an offensive lineman have the ability to? To me, there's a difference between guys who just like steal a Madden play and put it into their offense and they call it, and it better be against the right defense because otherwise it might not work. Right? It becomes a guessing game versus I was the architect of this. I know that if a defense brings me something that we haven't seen before, here's how I can fix it on the fly and we can go continue to call plays and it's not going to be a bugaboo all game. And to me, that was the inability to be able to adapt was clearly a problem with Patricia, but he had no depth of knowledge in whatever he was teaching to be able to fix the problems. And and that's an excellent point because – and that's why I don't – I feel like under the circumstances has to be said before you criticize Matt Patricia. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the depth of knowledge. Okay, well, I'm a supercomputer offensive coordinator. I've done this for 15 years. I've seen every single defense known to man. I have all the answers to the test like Brady. Okay, well, what happens if they do this? Well, just do this. Okay, what what happens if they do this? Well, then then you got to do this. Or what happens if they do this? Well, we're screwed. Bad call on my part. Terrible play design. I'll take the I'll take the L on this one. Very very simple. Every play is not you know drawn for success. There are pitfalls. There are uh, issues, and sometimes great quarterbacks are human erasers. They fix everything. Like Tom Brady. Like Tom Brady. I make changes at the line of scrimmage. How many times do you think Matt Patricia, I'm sorry, Matt Jones got to the line of scrimmage and says, that whole, like, this is not how this works. Right. This is not how any of this works. It ain't going to work. I got to call it. now. So sure as hell, he's chirping in his ear. Here comes the play clock. I got to snap it. Nobody gets the checks. Nobody knows who to block. It's just, it really is amazing. That it actually went off for the entire year. And it was so deep that even Belichick couldn't fix it. That's no, not like how the, it works. The issues, That's not how any of this works. The issues ran so deep, even Bill couldn't jump in. Uh, yesterday, Fourier dropped a football nugget on us. That when he was going through the draft process, he sat with Bill Belichick in a film room at the East-West Shrine Bowl. What was that like? Five-Minute Football Nerd is next. W-E-E-I. W-E-E-I. New England Sports Original. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Type that into your app search, then download. Gresh and Fourier on W-E-E-I. It's time for the five-minute football nerd. He's two-gapping, and you're getting the beneficiary of getting the uh, tackle. And then in 3-4, they're moving him outside. So. Silent count on third down when you're in pass protection. you got a wide nine coming at you. Banana left, right, EX, whatever. The X, the Z, vertical routes. Here's your cover three. Here's your cover two. Hey, you want to get all crazy? We can go two-man. We can go two with a spy. Hey, you want to do a rush-in? You want to go sub-front? You want to go nickel? On oh, no, where else? Aggression Fourier. We'll talk to Andrew Raycroft coming up at 11 o'clock, but let's nerd out a little bit from the football end because Christian Fourier in a stream of consciousness yesterday never never clued us in with all the talk about the East-West Shrine Bowl and the Patriots coaches being there and all that whatnot. Christian Fourier in what was it ninety six? Mm. What year did you go through the draft process? Were uh, you a ninety five draft? All right, so you're ninety five draft. Yeah. So 
There we are, winter of 1995. Yeah. Beautiful San Francisco. Here's Christian Foyer trying to play his way yeah. into being a first-round pick from yeah. the University of Colorado. You go to the East-West Shrine Bowl. And I then, hurt my back. <laughs> and then, well, you hurt your back. I hurt my back, so I didn't even play in the game, But so all I did was interviews. Uh, but one of those interviews yeah. was with William Hoodsworth yeah. Belichick. Yeah. Didn't Do know, tell. Didn't know anything about him, really, to be honest with you. Knew nothing about him. Um, sure enough, I get this. You know, what they do? What happens is, you know, they, uh, the assistants, whatever, they linger in the lobby and they and they grab you. And say, oh, so and so wants to talk to you. This team wants to talk to you. And sure enough, I said, oh, Bill Belichick wants to talk with you. So I'm like, all right, fine. Uh, they tell me what room he's in. It's like way in the top, top floor, obviously. And knock on the door. Like the the door was must have been unlocked. Right? No one escorted you. Nobody you did escorted this on your own. Just, just rolled up in there. Sweet Jesus! And so I walked Imagine in. That now. I will say this. Yeah. This was and and you, and you know me. You know me well enough, Gresh. Like I was literally thinking about this while this was just playing out in real time. <laughs> I was all I was thinking about was the scene from The Natural. Okay, just bear with me on this because I want to play this clip because this is about as. True of, uh, you know, description as I can give, you know, without actually just telling you. If you've seen the movie The Natural, you know, Roy Hobb goes and, you know, sees the owner. And the owner is, uh, you, know, I'll just, you know, I'll let it play. It's about 40 seconds, but just take a listen. We made it late. It's a swell office. Me a creature of comforts. Could use a little more light, though. Where are you from, Hobbs? All around, really. What about you? <laughs> Please, uh, <laughs> please pardon the absence of light. You see, as a youngster, I was I was frightened of the dark, and uh, I used to wake up sobbing in it as if it was water, and I was drowning in it. But as you will observe, I have so thoroughly disciplined myself against that fear that now I much prefer a dark room. The only thing I know about the dark is you can't see in it. That was it. That is about that's 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 kind of how it was for me. He's sitting in the back. The room is dark, and he's got like the one little lamp, little night lamp, nightstand lamp, right? Mm-hmm. Just like in the movie. And uh, there's no real windows, but it's dark in there. And uh, he's sitting in the back, and he asked me to sit down. And there's this, you know, TV. And he says that uh, all these little VHS tapes, all of them, tons of them. So there's your games right there, uh, you know. And it's like, uh, hey, pick out your worst game and your best game. So. I, and he's still he's behind me. I'm, it's like I'm not even making eye contact with him, you know. And it's still, hey, where are you from? Where are you from? Whoa, why are you afraid of the dark? And, yeah, so he's asked me to put on my worst game. At that point in time, I thought it was when I played the University of Nebraska. They were undefeated. We were undefeated. We lost that game, like 20 to 10. Um, and sure enough, like, as it's playing, I'm, like, grimacing with pain because I know when the bad play is going to come, <laughs> right? You anticipate the bad play. And I'm like, gosh, I wonder, like, when he's going to get to the good stuff. We eventually got to the good stuff, but the whole deal with him just, it was this weird, like, you know, weird just interaction that I still to this day think about and reference that movie all the time because I had met with hundreds of coaches, hundreds, even going, you know, that day at the East-West Shrine game at the Combine in Indianapolis, and all of them were pretty open, and it was like there was no, like, m- mystery about it. Nothing was clandestine. It was weird. It felt it like just... you were walking into another vortex. Yeah, it was like, God, is this the way the NFL is? Are all <laughs> the coaches so mysterious in this dark room with, like, these mind games? Like, already, already, it's like the Jedi mind trick. Okay, should I should I give him what I think is the good game? Should I give him, uh, say it's my worst game, but really give him my best game? Like, how should I play this out? Like, should I be honest, or should I just kind of 
try and like you know you know lead the witness. So I know we've only got about a minute, but did he press you hard on your bad game, or did he not praise you as much on your good game? How'd that work? Well, I ended up. Uh, no, he just uh, he really didn't say anything. He, he was just more said, about your answers. Yes, got it was it. weird because I really thought I'd say, okay, I'm gonna pick my best game and then tell him it's my worst game. Right, because he's like, "Wow, if this is what he thinks his worst game is, he must be a stud." So that is honestly in like like this, right? It's happening really fast, and you you want to make a good first impression. This guy may draft you. He was still with the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. He 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 would get fired. I don't know, maybe a month later, maybe a couple weeks later. They just got rid of that well, whole. Well, that staff. was that whole transition to Baltimore. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. right, exactly right. They were trans. They were transitioning. So um, no, and then he really didn't say anything. And he would say, "What do you think about this play?" And again, should I say I was like, I was like, I want to be as self-deprecating as possible. Terrible footwork, hands. I should have done a better job. Oh, I thought it was a good play. So no matter what I said, he gave the opposite. Got it. And later on, years later, when I when the team was playing and we were practicing in Bryant College, the last season at Bryant College, he made all the rookies run. And after every gasser, after every gasser, he would ask all the rookies a question and every answer was wrong run again so then that all the rookies would give him the answer that they thought he wanted and he would say wrong and he would run again you can ask dan Grant about this he still bitches and complains about this rohan davy all those guys uh uh jarvis green all of them no matter what they said he they they the answer was wrong and they still had to run regardless it's pretty interesting. I just thought that was like, even back then, Jedi back in 1995, yep. he was still doing the same things in 2002. Well, it goes to show that the guy is who he is, and in some ways for better or worse. There was your five-minute football nerd on what it was like for 21-year-old Christian Fourier to walk into a dark room with Bill Belichick and talk football. We'll do some hockey next with our buddy Andrew Raycroft. We'll talk some Bruins. He'll join us on the Harbor One Hotline on Gresham Fourier.